given a perception of a given idea or event and then enough evidence accumulates that undermines the original supposition as to what was occurring. For example, Akiva looked at this, what he believed was a camera lens and then he became quite astonished as he saw me raising it to my lips saying a brocha and then somehow getting liquid from within it. But in the course of him seeing me do that, the paradigm shift that he underwent was that he, what he appeared to be to the naked eye, a camera lens was in fact a mug. And the ironic thing is that when you look at it, it still looks like a camera lens. So it doesn't lose its appearance. But now you have a deeper understanding that the appearance is not indicative of the reality. Boketov, you have now walked into your first lesson in Talmud. In the Gemara, this is called Hachi Ko'amar, and this is the way the whole Gemara works. And the reason why the Gemara works this way is because this is to teach us the most fundamental lesson of life, and that is don't use your eyes to see. Rather, follow the wise words of Solomon the King, who says, Chacham Einov Bereshoi, a wise man, his eyes are in his head. Where did you think they were? In his elbows? Rather, what Solomon the King is carefully telling us, Chacham Einov Bereshoi means your eyes are in your seichel. Don't see through these. See through this. Vahayu letoitofois beinenechem. You should look through your tefillin. See the world through your tefillin. Your tefillin are here, they're not here. This is where your eyes are. This is where your eyes are. Your eyes are here. Chochem ein of Barosha. You have to see the world through your seichel. Now when you see the world through your seichel, it's a very different kind of experience. Because it looks like one thing, but it is something else. So you're constantly coming across with what appear to be camera lenses, and then you see people drinking from them. And they turn out to be coffee mugs, but they still appear to be. But you know they're not. So you have this constant override of what appears to be the reality and the appearance, the appearance and the reality. Okay? Now, how does it help us and what's the context or relevance to what we've been talking about? What we've been talking about until now is the relationship between the body and its ongoing dialogue with the nefesh, with the internal self, and how the Torah, in a understanding of how that dynamic works, creates certain facilitators, which through the messages that the body sends, the soul can respond. And what we've been exploring particularly is the external form of the way we hold our body during the Shemone Esrei prayer. Suggesting that the actual body language that we give off during that experience is there to create a certain internal state. So now, this is a very different relationship to the camera lens, no, no, 
coffee mug experience. In the camera lens coffee mug experience, we use our knowledge of the reality to override the externality. Whereas in the tefillah experience, we use our awareness of the externality to uncover the reality. So in our positioning of our bodies in Shemone Yisrael, we said that we close down our ability to move by locking our legs together. We bind our hands, which are ability to make an impact onto the world. So we close down our own ego. We disinvest from our ego. And we say, okay, it's, not, it's no longer about me and what I can do. I can't run anywhere and I can't make anything happen. I'm here. The things that I use to make myself, to bring myself into fruition, my legs and my arms, have now just been shut down. And then not only that, and then I bow down. And I acknowledge that my entire source of being comes from a higher place. And in doing so, I can dissolve the barrier that prevents me from connection, which we would use the word ego, but we can use the Hebrew word kaiva. So, that's step number one is at least be aware of that dialogue between your body and your inner self. Because many people daven for years and they don't even realize what it is. They look at the halachic directives as did I do it right or wrong? But not what am I doing? And what's the significance of what I'm doing? And what's the motive behind Chazal creating this facility? Surely it's to impart some kind of texture and feel and taste to the spiritual experience. Once we're in that mind frame we can gingerly edge our ways forward towards the actual words that we enunciate as we engage in this deep form of meditation. If you don't mind, spending a little time just exposing a tiny inkling into prayer as the next stage of our time together. If you don't mind, I mean, if you want, we can speak about golfers a little bit more. <laughs> yes, Zach? Why did God give us our eyes then so why do you give us eyes I'm not quite sure what you mean well if he wants us if he wants us to walk around and see the world through here yes so then why even give us the perception of or the delusion of your in other words wouldn't it be better wouldn't it be better to be blind and then you'd be able to see things for what they are we have like a lot of places even in Davi where we we close our eyes in Shema and we close our eyes ideally if you know the words in Shema Yisrael and you're not seeing the world anymore yes and that's like the real yeah I, I think if you kind of like you've hit on to such an important sugya Zach it's a really really crucial sugya it's a, called the sugya of a nine there's a sugya a sugya there's a topic there's a, there's a realm there's a dimension called eyes and there's a lot of... It's a wide open sugar. Let's, let's you, should we explore it a little bit? Now that you've suggested it. I'm, I'm happy to, to be a little bit organic in the way we move. Mm-hmm. So let's speak a little bit about eyes. And there's lots of stuff about eyes. Mm-hmm. 
For example, in Shema, we say, There's a prohibition to go after your eyes. So you see, there's something about there's something called loisa suru achere levavchem v'achere nechem, but there's obviously an there's 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 now there's, there's a dynamic between eyes and heart because you don't go after your loisa suru achere levavchem v'achere nechem. You shouldn't go after your eyes, your heart, and after your eyes. So the question is, okay, what's this relationship between between eyes and heart? What's this relation between eyes and heart? Um, right? So Rashi explains what the relationship is. He says, He says, the word comes from the word that this, that's used in regard to the Meraglim, the spies that went into the land of Israel, that they they went to Tur Haaretz. I'm imagining it's somehow related to the word tourist. Actually the same word. I don't know the etymological history, but I would imagine that there's a strong chance that that's where it comes from, like the word Havok comes from the Hebrew word. It's very specific. Havok means like it's crazy, everything's turned upside down. Comes from the Hebrew word Hafoch. The V and F sounds are interchangeable. You see it in different languages, for example, in Dutch and Afrikaans, the V is pronounced Ferenichen, Felifta, etc. And um, the Ch and K are very much, especially in the in the Anglo world where the ch sound got lost and was either replaced by an H and it wasn't sounded or by a K or C K sound. So for example, words like Nacht became night or Knecht became night. <laughs> words like Tracht became thought, etc. The ch got lost. So that that their that, that pronunciation where well, it fell out of the, the linguistic realm so, Hafok becomes Havok. Now, Havok is an interesting kind of balagan because it's used to describe the punishment that occurred in the city of Sudoim. It was not used to describe, for example, the, the tragedy which befell the generation of the flood. There, there the, 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 the world was melted into, it was dissolved. Well, what's the difference? Meaning, is there a relationship between what they did and what happened to them? But, of course, and why? Well, because when the world goes crazy in terms of debauchery and theft, it means no boundaries are left. The whole thing has become dissolved. So they get dissolved. That's called a flood. But in Stoim, there were very strong rules and regulations there was stipulations about what could be done, what could not be done, how much could be done, how much could not be done, and there was an incredible emphasis. The, the, the ultimate metaphor is called the stone bed. There was a bed, and their cruelty was, they gave you a bed. 
Now, if you didn't fit into the bed, so then they just shortened you. So if the bed was six feet and you were six feet four, so they just cut off four feet of you so you'd fit into the bed. Because it's Australia. Sorry. It's a, it's a, a, govern, a, a society which is, which is over-regulated. Every little thing is. And when you have an over-regulated society, what it does is it destroys connection between people. Because rules and regulations dissolve relationships. So when everything is according to the rules, so there's no place for me and you anymore, because they superimpose a set of structures which take away the human element. So Stoin was a very, very apparently worthy society. So when you have someone who's apparently worthy, the way to do him is you don't dissolve him with water because that's not like for like, that's not midi connected meta. What you do is you say, one second, let's change the context. That's called turning over. Afford. You change the context and then all of a sudden you see that no, this is actually the this in, is inherently evil. There's people over here that are being discriminated against. There are people that there's no such thing as Sadaka. There's no such thing. There's a deep inherent evil. But you only see it when the context is changed. On a personal level, that's the people who, who are um, like being world famous in Sweden. The notion of you have a certain status in a given place, but shift your location and all of a sudden the opposite occurs. People who are extremely giving outside their house and inside the house they're monsters. That's called, they, they, they deserve a punishment, Khalil of Hafoich, of Havok. That's because they, they appear to be in this place okay, but you switch the context and all of a sudden it's distraction. <coughs> you turn it around and everything falls to pieces. So that's, uh, that's just another etymological digression once we discuss that means don't be a tourist with your eyes. Tourist. So what does Rashi say? He says, So immediately connects eyes and heart. Again, what we said, the heart is where your experiential self is positioned. Heart is how, not... Mali. Heart isn't what you think. Heart isn't what you know. Heart is who you are and what you want. Heart is where we are together in this moment. You and me, present as we are. You follow? Mm-hmm. That's that's the heart. That's where we are. My experience of the situation is the life. So now my eyes and my experience of the situation are in some type of strange partnership. How do they work together? Says Rashi. Says Rashi. They become the spies of the body. It doesn't say either one but both together so my heart meaning my, the way I experience the situation somehow needs a handle it's a little bit like my heart is like my su- submarine and my eyes are the periscope my heart is a little bit submerged underneath the surface but my eyes can go above the surface so they can support and in- inform and provide the input that my heart needs to work on without the eyes the heart is dormant doesn't have a place to function but the eyes open up this rich world of experiences they can then interact with so what happens? it happens like this they fascinating they become the go-between the brokers of negativity 
Ha'ayin Roya, the eye sees, Vahalev Choymeit, and then the heart desires. Vaguf, Oyster Saveris, and then the body becomes involved in the conclusion of the act. We don't have to go very far to see how this works, and the power of the eye as it's used in media. You try to attract a person by the appearance of the object. Again, that is why slim ladies sell car tires. I lechoya, what's the shaykhis between this piece of rubber and that piece of flesh? What's the connection? Why should she be positioned? Because the eye and So somehow you'll be drawn into that <coughs> through the eye. And then the heart desires. And then you feel a deep connection towards this particular Goodyear brand. Yeah, so that's the way it works. The eye, the eye starts off the process. So let's look at the words. Loisasu, you shouldn't go after your heart. Shouldn't you? You shouldn't go after your eyes. Eyes and your heart. Loisasu but but it says differently. Loisasu So you are right, but you are wrong because there's Rash explains the sequence of events. Raphaeli. Do you know what he says, Mali? I'll tell you what, Everbach with Alec, Maya. The the sequence of events as Rashi puts it across is that Ha'ayin Ra first the eye sees, Valev Chaymet, then the heart desires, and thirdly Vagufay says Averis. It's the wrong order. The Pasuk says first the heart desires, then the eye sees. So why the switch in order? So in order for us to have a deep understanding of this, let's go back to the source of the verse that Rashi brings for the actual verb used to describe the spying of the eyes, and we go back to the spies. The spies form a the, that were sent into Israel and returned on Tisha B'Av and maligned the land form a extremely powerful impactful event in, in Jewish history basically the story of the Jews with and without the spies is a radically different story without the spies well none of us would be sitting here today drinking Chateau de Chateau um, <laughs> sorry. none of us would be sitting out here in the state we're in because what would have happened was the Jewish people would have, as an entire nation, entered into the land of Israel and the Messianic era would have begun then and there. And the rejection of the land created a possibility of exile which would have been an impossibility. Just like the Jews and the Torah have an inextricable link that cannot be separated, you can't take them away from it, had the spies not rejected the land of Israel with the confirmation and affirmation of the people, the connection to the land for the Jewish people would have been an inextricable one and godless exile would have been impossible and the Messianic era would have begun there and then. So what they did was they actually created a calamitous break between the land and the people that exile could even occur. Now how did they do that? How do they do that? Because isn't it what they desired? They, 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 that was a rhetorical they, question. Oh, sorry. Shah. 
Thank you. <laughs> how do they do that? I said that how they do it to build up some dramatic tension here, Tembi. Last thing I need for you is to bat in and struggle. <laughs> Ladies, I hear little notes. Sure. <laughs> so what happens is they go into the land of Israel, and their fault is reflected in the alphabetical order of the Lamentations scroll, because the the Eicha Mali is written alphabetically. Okay, other places give the of the then you get to later in the alphabet the kind of part that you may not yet know the like Nun Samach Ein area which is far far away and then there's two letters which are switched now a small introduction as opposed to English where the letters are called after their sounds A makes an A sound B makes a B sound C makes a C sound <laughs> sometimes D makes a D sound E makes an E sound, F makes an F sound, correct? And that's why English people are wrong. Because no question in the world that Z should be Z and not Z. If Z is Z, so then why isn't C said and B bed? You hear? Good. In Hebrew, however, the letters the letters are called names. Aleph means to teach, base means house. Gimel means to give, Dalit means door. Each one is a, and based on what the letter is, which is a deep mystical secret, based on what the letter is, so it denotes, connotes something. Not only that, but the sequence is significant. I would imagine that if you just decide to reorder the alphabet, it would be extremely confusing for thousands upon millions of school children about A, B, C, D, before we went like B, C, D, A. It would be difficult, but there would be no deep and meaningful difference if you decide to reorder it, which is being convenient. However, in the Hebrew alphabet, the sequence is crucial, which is demonstrated by the gematrias. Since the, the letters also have numerical values, it means that what happens in the progression of the alphabet is not only one sound and one letter after another, but a value that's attached. So Aleph is one and base is two and Gimel is three. So it's sequential as well. So therefore the positioning of the letters in the alphabet has relevance, as do their names. So that therefore becomes relevant, Averbach, when in Eicha the Ayin and the Pei are switched, meaning the eye and the mouth. The Ayin and the Pei are switched. The Ayin and the mouth. What happened? It should go Nun Samach Ayin Pei goes Nun Samach Pei Ayin. What happened? How did the mouth get before the eye? To which the Gomorrah Sanhedrin comments, that's what the Meraglim did wrong. They put their mouths before their eyes. What does it mean that you put your mouth before your eye? It means you say what you didn't see. One second. But if you say what you didn't see, if you say what you didn't see, so it should be that the pay should be there and the eye should be subtracted from the lamentation scroll. Not really ordered, Alec. Elamai! Rather, Ramosha Perry gives a deep insight by saying that when you say before you've seen, you start <coughs> to see what you've said. 
You meaning when you've decided this is what it is, you've already created the reality in your head, you'll find that reality in the external world as well. Because there's sufficient ambiguity for interpretation to become relevant, isn't there? So what happened is they entered into the land and they had a decision that was already made internally in their hearts in their hearts they decided that they didn't want to give up on their rulership of Israel, which would well occur if they entered into the land they were the Nassim they were the princes of each and every tribe they didn't want to lose that sense of authority so they couldn't see the land as good they had already told themselves in their mouth that it was bad and they saw it they saw gigantic fruits how abnormal they saw people dying how dangerous they could have seen abnormal fruits how bountiful people dying how protective is Hashem of us that He's distracted them with their own issues but they didn't because they'd already said and then they saw what they said so now we start to get a deeper insight of this relationship between the eye and the heart the speaking heart as it were in this context and what happens is the eye sees and the heart is eyes but truth be told the passage is don't go after your heart and don't go to your eyes because before the eye sees which makes the heart desires the heart desires as well there has to be a desire in the heart which allows that part of what you're looking at in the landscape to be pronounced which then stimulates that part in your heart which is referred to and that's why when a full-blooded young yeshiva bocha walks down the road with his sister they see two different things he sees a young lady and she sees a blossoming flower that's because of the heart conditions the eye which awakens the heart which stimulates and gets the body to do all the dodgy stuff so there's a sugi called a name. So back to Zach's question. What we're discussing, the gadol, largely, globally, is this interrelationship between the surface and the inner. That's really the kind of the global picture of what we've been talking about in the last few sessions. The inner and the outer. The internal world and the external world. And we've discussed the interrelation between them. And today we said, well, on the one hand, the external world deceives and you need to see through the eyes of your seichel lest you become beguiled by the wiles of the materialistic tempstress 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 so I agree with you tempstress we can 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 check it out it's checker out a bill but Lamaisa whatever it is we don't get so wouldn't it be better if we didn't have eyes bichlal? so now we see now that eyes it's not the vort of eyes can be made to see eyes are already subsidiary to the heart if you have the right heart your eyes will see something completely different so now there's this incredibly powerful idea of the Baal Shem Tov which leaves us all astounded and questioning everything that happens to us in our lives the Baal Shem Tov has got this piece which says the world is but a mirror and he goes further by saying it is impossible to see anything around you which isn't a direct lef- direct reflection of yourself which means if you see two people fighting it's a reflection of something about you whatever you see is a reflection of yourself 
would be wise self centered to watch the news. Sorry? It'd be wise for people not to pay any attention to the news. But let's just like deal with what what, 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 what does that mean and how does that work and what's the significance of it all it becomes very bewildering um, so let's begin with with, with a continuation of what we've been discussing what's definitely true if you have two people walking down the street well one sees the other one doesn't I'll give you an example from a from a professional point of view let's say for example, let's say that you, Denby, were an engineer, mm-hmm. the marshal, a civil engineer, okay. <laughs> meaning that you're an engineer who is civil. Um, and I am an architect, and Jeremy is a street engineer, and Daniel is a city electrical planner and all of us are walking down the road when you look at the environment you pick up things that I completely miss you pick up the structure of buildings you see a crane you fixate on it I don't even know the crane's there um, when Mally walks across and he sees the way that the lines are laid you don't even know that there's underground electricity cables because you're just not aware of it he sees them Jamie looks at the kind of the, the width of the of the traffic lanes and the reason why there's a traffic light here as opposed to a stop street over there. You don't even know that. Because you see what you are. You only, you can only see what you are. What you're not, you can't see. It doesn't it doesn't get processed. Even though it's there physically, it doesn't get processed. If you're not that you can't see it. You just can't see it. Just, it just, the sense of that's why I'm saying that it's such a big sugar, the sense of sight. There's nothing as irrelevant as a picture without a caption. You see a picture and you see a man going like this. So what is he doing? He's about to strike, he's lifted up his, his right fist. Is he st- screaming, Amandla! Which is a Zulu word for freedom. You don't know, you don't know what he's doing. You don't know what he's doing, you need to catch him. If it says, man screams, man in freedom protest, then you know what it means. If it says, uh, abusing father, then you know what it means. But you don't know. So what gets caught up in that processing? Ay, the eyes, the eyes. Okay, we've run out of time, but we have to speak about more in our overall topic of internal and external, where the eyes and the heart play a role. And thank you so much for raising that, Zach. And thank you all for attending today's class. I realize you have a choice. Thank you for choosing Musa. <laughs> Do you need-